It's time for another edition of Twitter Tuesday on the Locked on Giants podcast. Your questions coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, what is good? Patricia Trena here, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Happy to have you with us on this Twitter Tuesday. We have a short work week this week with the Giants scheduled to face the Washington football team on Thursday. So we're going to get in your questions that were submitted uh, last week. I've been holding on to them, so I'm going to answer them today. Before I do that, though, just a quick, uh, some quick housekeeping notes for the rest of the week. Tomorrow on the show, special guest Brian Baldinger will be with me. We'll be talking Giants. We'll also be talking a little bit about Baldy's new coaching program that he just rolled out. And I will have all the details for you on that. On Thursday, we will do the crossover show with the guys from Locked On Washington football team. And uh, on Friday, we will do a podcast wrapping up the Giants-Washington football team game. So that is what is coming up this week on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Hope you'll check all the content out and appreciate you tuning in. All right. Today is a Twitter Tuesday, as I mentioned. So how about we get into some questions? Okay. So I have some questions. Actually, all these questions were actually submitted via emails. So to call it a Twitter Tuesday, probably not an accurate description, but nonetheless, we are going to answer the questions from from all of you who sent them in. All right. So this first one comes from Brett M., who writes, uh, love the show. You do a great job. Do you think the Giants have too many players on their rosters who primarily only play special teams? And then he goes on to list Nate Abner, Gillespie, Cam Brown, Crossan, and CJ Board when he comes up from the practice squad. That number seems high compared to historically how many primary special teams player the unit they have usually kept. All right. Thanks for that question, Brett. And um, do the Giants have a lot of guys who are maybe spe- core special teamers? Yes. I would say it's an unusually high amount. That said, I see the method behind the madness. So last year, the Giants special teams weren't horrible, but they weren't as good as they were the year before. Joe Judge, as everybody knows, is a special teams coordinator. Um, That was his origin. So when he came over to the Giants, obviously special teams was his bag. And that was something that he took a personal interest in working with uh, special teams coordinator Thomas McGahee. Now, here's the other thing to take into consideration with regards to the number of special teams players that the Giants have. The Giants offense, as you know, didn't really get a chance to gel over the summer. All right. You had a lot of guys, you know, Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, Kyle Rudolph, guys who weren't able to practice or play in the preseason games. So the thinking, I suspect, is that the offense might be a little bit slow to gel. 
And so in order to help this group out, you want to have two, at least two-thirds of your team really functioning at a high level, that being the defense, obviously, to keep this point total down. And I think you also want to have the special teams win the field position battle, which was a problem for the Giants last year. You know, with that offense, you know, that Giants offense might very well turn out to be a really good one. But until we know that for sure, why not give them as much help as you can? And if it means loading up on special teams only guys, then so be it. I do think you're going to see certain guys show up on offense or defense at their original position. So um, Joe Judge is going to make use of every resource he has. But I think that's, you know, what I explained before is the reason why the Giants have so many specialists on their uh, on their roster this year. So thanks for that question. That was a great question. All right. Next question comes from Tommy C, who I know also writes into the Giants Country mailbag. And Tommy wants to know, if Saquon Barkley doesn't have a strong season, will the Giants move on from him after this year? Tommy, no, I, I don't see that happening. The Giants have already picked up Saquon Barkley's fifth-year option. And here's the other thing you have to remember. Um, coming back from a, uh, a torn ACL can sometimes take a player up to two years to really be himself again. So I think what the Giants are going to try to do with Saquon Barkley is they're going to see how he gets through this year, obviously. Hopefully there'll be no setbacks. Hopefully he'll look, you know, as good as new. Um, and then I think what's going to happen is, you know, because they, they picked up his option year and that option year, the salary cap hit is actually about, I want to say three $3 million less than what it is this year. Just see how he looks before you make any decision. Now, if Barkley doesn't look good this year, maybe what they don't do is they don't extend him, even though they have said they'd like like for him to be a giant for life. Um, I wouldn't rush to, to extend him, quite frankly, you know, until I see him two years in a row get through a season without any issues and, you know, get through a season looking like himself. So that's what I think is going to happen with Saquon Barkley. But no, I do not see them giving up on him after this year, if he doesn't look like himself. So, all right. Thank you for that question, Tommy. Up next, we have a question from Jason M. And Jason writes, we know 17 and a half points per game won't cut it. What will? Thanks for that question, Jason. You're absolutely right. Scoring 17 and a half points per game is not going to cut it for this Giants team. No way. Not with some of the opponents on the schedule. A good number, I think, to look at, and uh, I went back and I looked this up. Most of the playoff teams last year averaged about 25 points per game. So I think if you're the Giants offense, you want to aim for that total, that average per game, 25 points. And if you can get that, then um, you have a chance to be competitive because especially, you know, if your defense is really solid and they hold um, the opponent down, I think last year, I forget what the number is, but I know the Giants finished with the ninth lowest scoring de defense in the league. So if they can do that again and keep the uh, the opponents off the scoreboard or limit them to just field goals and the, and the Giants offense can get that extra touchdown, basically is what it boils down to, an extra touchdown plus a two-point conversion per game, then I think the Giants are going to be able to maybe win a few more games this year 
that they otherwise would have lost in the past. So that would be my my magic number for them, Twenty about 25 points. Thanks for that question. All right, Giant fans, we have more of your Twitter Tuesday questions coming up in just a moment. But first, get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. When you open an account and use our special promo code LOCKEDON, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions do apply. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Giant fans, you are here on the Locked on Giants podcast. I am Patricia Trena, and we are doing a Twitter Tuesday. And don't forget, if you want to participate in Twitter Tuesday, you can check out the show notes below. There's the address where you want to send in your questions. I also have other information in the show notes, including how you can get involved in our season-long pick'em pool. It's free to enter. Where uh, People are eligible. I think you have to be 18 and up to enter and you can win an NFL jersey of your choice. So check that out. It's sponsored by runyourpool.com, who is also one of our sponsors here on the Locked on Giants podcast. All right, let's get back to your Twitter Tuesday questions and let's kick this one next one off from John G, who actually has three questions. So I'm going to go through each one, one at a time. And John, first off, John, I've I've had this since Labor Day, so I'm just now getting to it. Sorry for the delay. Uh, All right. First one, what percentage of the Giants' 53-man roster is at least partially vaccinated? I think the last number I heard, John, was was over 90%. I don't know the exact number, but they have most of their guys vaccinated. I I don't know that it's 100% yet, but I think it was over 90. All right. Next question. As between Bredesen and Price, who is more likely to play versus Denver and why? If I had to take a guess, I would say Bredesen, um, Ben Bredesen, that is, the offensive guard, for a couple reasons. Number one, even though Shane Lemieux wasn't listed on the injury report, he still has that knee injury. So is he going to play every snap at left guard? I don't know that he will. I wonder if maybe he's going to rotate with Bredesen. But here's the other thing. I think the Giants, you know, and as I record this, um, I'm actually, disclaimer, I'm actually recording this on Saturday before the Denver game. I'm trying to get a jump start on, on my shows for next week. So what I know to be true for the Denver game, the Giants did not call up a tight end from the um, from the practice squad despite the fact that Evan Ingram was declared out. So I can see a scenario where the Giants are going to maybe utilize an extra offensive lineman in a jumbo type of package in lieu of a tight end. Now, will that be Bredesen? Will that be Billy Price? Will that maybe be uh, Matt Parrott? I don't know, but I would not be surprised if we see that formation um, against Denver. And of course, we'll know if we, we've seen it or not by the time this show airs. But um, all right, so that answers that one. And you also asked about the elevation from the practice squad. All right, and again, that, that question's already kind of been answered, but for those who missed it, CJ Board was activated from the, uh, or elevated, I should say, from the practice squad for the Denver game. 
presumably to do kickoff returns, which is interesting because I thought maybe Kadarius Tony would get that role, but apparently the Giants might be looking to go in a different direction. I mean, we'll, we will have discussed this on the Monday show, what they did, but um, yeah, it was CJ board was the guy that they, they elevated. So uh, thank you for those questions, John. And again, I, I'm, I tape this on Saturday night. So that's why, you know, this timing might seem a little off, but I did want to get your questions. And since you sent them in, all right, next up, we have, a question from Stan S who wants to know, what are your thoughts about Joe judge's football program? All right. Um, that's kind of a broad question, Stan. So I, I, the way I interpret it is what do I think about maybe the practices, how he runs things um, just the overall, you know, type of day. And I'm not in the building you know, from the time they open up 7.30 or actually they open up at 5.30, I think, to nine o'clock at night plus. I'm only in the building, you know, for practices and the the media veils. But from what I understand, Joe Judge runs a very well-rounded program, right? So it's not just all about X's and O's. That is the central part of the program, but there is also a degree of history, you know, teaching the players about Giants history, which is very important to Joe Judge, um, which is good to see, by the way. A lot of, you know, the, the last couple of head coaches were more focused on creating new history than revisiting the past, which I always thought was a mistake. From what I understand, he's constantly in communication with his team leaders and uh, the team in general, there's no uh, case of, you know, for example, he's sitting up there in his office with his feet up on his on his desk, reading a newspaper and just, you know, barking out orders to an underling or anything like that. He, do- he doesn't do that. He's very active in that locker room, from what I understand, from what players have told me. He visits with guys, you know, to find out how they're doing, what's going on with their lives. I mean, a lot of times after a game, while we're waiting for him to come to the podium, he's, you know, spending the time in the locker room, going to each guy to check on them, to see how they how they came through the game. So I think Judge, from what I can gather, runs a pretty open, diverse, and caring program. Yes, X's and O's are the the main focal point, but the the people element is just as important to him. And I personally have no problem with how he runs the program based on what I know, know about it. So um, hope that answers your question. All right. You are listening to the Locked on Giants podcast. I am Patricia Trena, and this is a Twitter Tuesday. So we've got still more questions coming up via email, and uh, we're going to get to those in just a moment. But first, let's hear from our good friends at Rock Auto. No matter what you need for your car or truck, Rock Auto is sure to have it in its extensive online catalog. RockAuto.com offers brand name parts for every make, model, and manufacturer at highly competitive prices, and they ship right to your door. Visit RockAuto.com and be sure to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car or truck will ever need rockauto.com 
All right, Giant fans, we still have a few more questions to answer on this Twitter Tuesday. But uh, first, let's hear from DirecTV. Now, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend login for the good stuff. Well, let me tell you, there's a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so that you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Learn more by visiting directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies according to package. All right, Giant fans, so we're going to continue with Twitter Tuesday. And again, just a disclaimer, this show was recorded on Saturday. Um, Just trying to get ahead because we do have a short work week. So there's a lot to get done before we get to Thursday night football. Also, a reminder on tomorrow's show, Brian Baldinger is my special guest. We talk Giants football. We talk offensive line, Daniel Jones defense. And we also talk about Brian's new coaching initiative on CoachTube. He's got a series of uh, coaching programs where if you really want to learn the intricacies of how to scout, how to break down film, he's got four, I think a series of four he's put up with more to come still um, that he talks about. And they're really, they really look interesting. And I think they run about $50 a pop. So if you want to check those out. Um, he's going to tell you about that tomorrow on the Locked on Giants podcast. So I hope you'll tune in to hear what Baldy has to say. He's terrific. Really learned a lot from him every time he's on the program. So uh, thanks to him for coming on. All right, let's get back to these last few questions here on this Twitter Tuesday. This one comes from Gordy, who wants to know, do you see this year as a win-win because at least a G-men can make a, def- a definite decision on Daniel Jones If they keep him, then he has proven himself. If they let him go because he doesn't perform well, they have draft capital to hopefully find somebody who can lead them to a better future. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Gordy. If Daniel Jones proves to be the guy, then they can use that draft capital to maybe trade up to get a stud pass rusher or, you know, if they need an offensive tackle or basically whatever position they need. You know, they will be in, in, in a great spot to trade some of that draft capital if they have to move up. Now, if they need a quarterback, um, which I hope they don't, by the way, because that means basically they're going to have to start all over again. They're going to st- have to start from scratch, you know, bring in a rookie quarterback. He's going to have to learn the system, go cut his teeth. Um, you know, I know some rookies come in and, you know, you know, you saw what Justin Herbert did for the for the Chargers last year. Um, but I I just don't want to see this team have to start over again with another quarterback. I'm really hoping Daniel Jones is able to pull it off and and put to rest any questions about whether or not he's the guy moving forward because you know you, you just you just don't want to have to start over with this team. You know, you've got a lot of high contracts coming in. Um, next year, the salary cap is going to be kind of a bit of, of a nightmare. Uh, so let's hope for the best when it comes to the quarterback. But to answer your question, yes, the Giants are kind of in a win-win situation. 
thanks to the, you know the trades and everything they did there. So that's good. All right, couple more questions. This one comes from Andrew D. At one at what point is head coach Joe Judge going to be on the hot seat? Um, hmm. I don't think he's going to be this year. Uh, he would have to lose the locker room badly for him to be on the hot seat. Uh, I don't really think he's going to be on the hot seat, though. I mean, even if they have a losing record, I think Dave Gettleman might find his seat a little hotter than Joe Judge's. I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, at some point you have to ask yourself, is the coach the guy, you know, the right guy for the job? Joe Judge thus far, I don't think has done anything to make anyone question whether he is the right guy for the job. Certainly he's light years ahead of what they've had the last two head coaches. Um, The results do have to be there. I get that. The X's and O's have to be sharp. I get that. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I would say judge is going to be on the hot seat this year. If they don't win, I think maybe the soonest you'll see judge on the hot seat is next year. But I, I, I firmly think that that giants management is going to give him at least three seasons to, um, to, to establish, you know, um, some traction. And he started to do that, do that last year. We'll see what he does this year, but um, yeah, I, I, I know what you, I think I know what you're getting at. You know, the giants changed GM. Now the GM inherits the head coach, but you got to remember with the giants, the head coach hire isn't always the GM's final decision. It's ownership's decision. So they all have to be on the same page. I, th- I think that's what you might be getting at there. If I if I had a guess, so I wouldn't worry about it. If you know Dave retires after this year, or Dave isn't back for whatever reason, I wouldn't worry about you know a, a new GM coming in and now all of a sudden, you know he's got a head coach that he inherited from the previous regime. All right, next question. This is a new listener. So shout out to this new listener, Faison, I think that's how you pronounce it, Faison M. And shout out to all my new listeners, by the way. If you're a new listener, be sure to drop me a comment, by the way. I like, uh, I'll give you a shout out. Um, so Faison M wants to, wants to know, what rule would you, would you like to see changed? Oh, that's a good one. That's a great question. What rule in the game would I like to see changed? Um, hmm. I, there's so many rules. Um, I'm not a fan of the elimination of the wedge rule. Um, see, I, you got to remember, I'm a little bit on the old school side. So I've been in covering football for about 30 years now. So I remember the days of the two a day training camp practices. I remember the days of when, when training camp used to start in, uh, Early July used to run for about, you know, like six to eight weeks when you had five preseason games. I know I'm dating myself here, but I remember those days. I wasn't covering the game back then, but I was I was a kid growing up. So I remember all that stuff. Um, so I just think, you know, I get the emphasis on, on player safety and everything. But, you know, there, there's a lot, I, I, you know, that they they tried to make the game safer, but I, I short of turning it into flag football, I don't know that you can totally eliminate the risk 
of guys getting hurt. I know I'm not really giving you a, a solid answer here. I'm just trying to think out loud. Um, I guess the roster rules, you know, I'd like to see them keep the rules that they have now for the COVID era, you know, with IR, which I, I hated that rule that, you know, a guy landed on IR and he was done for the rest of the year. I hated that rule. Um, I hated, uh, you know, the practice squad rule where guys, you know, you only had, I think it was 10 guys on the practice squad. Now they've expanded it to 16. Um, I like that they have expanded the game day roster to up to 55. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those are just some of the things I'm just, I'm just spitballing off the top of my head here, but, uh, yeah, those, that, that was a great question. <laughs> I got mean, I'd have to give that one some more thought, but, um, those are just some things off the top of my head that I, I like now, but I didn't like when, you know, the opposite was in, in effect, you know, like the IR rule, I hated that rule. Um, the inactive rule, I hate that rule as well. It's like, you know, why have 53 men? And if you're going to put, you know, five or six down every week, that's that to me is silly. Um, I never got that one. So that's a rule I would definitely change. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for that question. I hope I at least gave you some something of an answer. So, all right. Final question comes from David G, who wants to know, Given what we have seen from the offensive line, are you slightly concerned, quote unquote, slightly concerned about Rob Sale, the offensive line coach? No, David, no, I I can't say I'm concerned about him uh, and the job he's doing. I think it's kind of early and I know you're going to say, okay, but Pat, look, he's been working with this group since the spring. The problems are still there. But yeah, you know, you also got to remember they had some injuries. They had guys retire. They have guys, they basically had to start all over again and teach them the way they wanted to teach them. You know, Mark Colombo taught them one way. Googs taught them another way. Rob Sale, I think, teaches them another way, as does Pat Flaherty, you know. So they had to get everybody on the same page and make tweaks. So we're not talking wholesale changes here, but there were some adjustments, I think, that had to be made. Um, so, no, I'm not concerned yet with Rob Sale and the job he's doing. Let's let's see how this season plays out because again, that offensive line, the one thing I I didn't really agree with Joe Judge with this past um preseason was I would have gotten that unit a lot more work together considering what a question mark they they were coming in. You know, if 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 the mantra was let the young guys play, well my gosh, why didn't you put them out there? Why were you playing backups and not getting these, these guys out there, you know, what, what were you concerned that you were going to wear them down? I, I, I just don't get that. So the jury's out on what they're doing with the offensive line. I do think some of those guys are headed in the right direction. Gates is, you know, doing a fantastic job. Will Hernandez did a, had a great summer um, in making that conversion um, Andrew Thomas, I, I'm inclined to give him a, a pass because, you know, it came out that he was sick during that preseason game. And, you know, when you're not feeling your best, sometimes you, you kind of, I don't want to say mail it in, but you, you're maybe not at your best performance wise. Um, I'm a little disappointed that Matt Parrott didn't nail down that right tackle job. 
Um, and that Nate, Nate Solder is going to have to go in there because Nate Solder, remember, his contract voids after this year. So now does that right tackle spot become a glaring need for them next year, which I think it might be. So I think the jury is still out on this group. Let's see what they look like by the midpoint of the season. We'll get a better feel for whether or not they're starting to gel, whether or not they're starting to, you know, think less about what they're doing out there and just be more on an autopilot. And then we can kind of go from there and make any kind of judgment that we want. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Some great questions. Really appreciate them as always. And again, check out the show notes for all the details on where you can send your questions in. Email them to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. And also I have other details down in the show notes about the pool that we're running, um, which is free to enter uh, just for fun. And, um, you know, everything else that you need to know to keep you up to date. So that'll do it for today. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Brian Baldinger is my special guest. So until tomorrow, folks, have a great one and we'll see you on Wednesday.